Amen. Hey, just by way of reminder, the Apostle Paul is writing to, um, you guys know he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy, um, Paul viewed Timothy as a son in the faith. Paul had left Timothy there in Ephesus to oversee the church, um, and Paul is giving Timothy instruction, um, not only instruction on how to, uh, to manage the church, how the church is to operate, but also Paul would be giving Timothy personal instructions also as a man of God, as a leader, and, and really all of the instruction is for every one of us, um, whether we are in leadership or whether we are not. In fact, as we begin chapter 4, as we study chapter 4, we're going to see that Timothy was dealing with a lot of issues inside of the church, not only inside but outside as well, things that were creeping into the church um, that the body of Christ needed to be protected from, insulated from, but warned of as well. And also some of the things that were going on um, within the church that um, the Apostle Paul has addressed already and Timothy needed to be reminded more than once. Do you guys ever need to be re- reminded more than once on stuff? No, you guys don't? We do, don't we? It's like we remember the things we should forget and forget the things we should remember. And so Timothy's going to be reminded throughout this letter and the second epistle, second letter Paul writes to him about keeping the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is the word of God, right? Jesus' word, Jesus himself and his word to us. And so we're going to see that this morning. And so uh, let's jump in. If we went through verse one, let's begin there, get a running start. Here's what God's word says, Paul writes, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And so Timothy's got a pretty heavy warning for the church, doesn't he here? Is that a pretty heavy warning for the church, for himself, for myself, for all of us? Heavy warning. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is a person, expressly says clearly um, he speaks or explicitly or distinctly says that in latter times, in at the further and further we get to the last days and the Lord's coming, that there will be some that will depart from the faith. And so we talked about this last week, some will depart from the faith. And whether you believe that someone professing to have faith or a possessor of faith, um, it's a, that's in your corner. I believe, listen, that there will be people that will apostatize, that will depart from Jesus. That's my own personal opinion, and listen, you can take it or leave it. You can rework the scriptures and try to make it fit your own theological persuasion, but I think if you ask any of our kids in children's ministry, what does it mean to depart from the faith? It means to leave the faith. Whether you look at the Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, whatever words you want to study, that's the warning. That's the danger that we are to be warned of. Some will depart 
from the faith. They won't make it. They're going to ditch Jesus. They will move away from the authority of the Bible. They will move away from the authority of the Bible as the standard for doctrine and practice in their life. That this is what we teach, this is what we believe, and this is what we abide by, how we live our lives, the Word of God. And so there will be people that will change not only the target of their faith from Jesus to something else, but they will, they will turn their back on the Word of God. And listen, you can't separate the Word of God from the God of the Word. And so we need to take heed. And we, as we read this, that's what he says. They will give heed. They will cleave to, be addicted to, devote their thought and effort to. They will hold on to. They will be closely joined to. Notice what it says with me. What will cause that? What will bring them to depart, to leave the faith? It tells us deceiving spirits or seducing, misleading influences, um, lies. Doctrines of demons, we talked about this last week, uh, satanic teachings where the father of lies is involved. And so how do, you, how do you deal with lies? You know the truth so well that you can identify them. The word of God is the truth, amen? Beloved, amen? Sanctify them by the truth. Jesus said your word is truth. When you know the truth of God's word so well, you're able to identify that which is false. If you move away from the truth of God's word, all you have left to buy into is lies. And so Paul warns Timothy to warn the church. We all need discernment. Any one of us is, is susceptible to this. We need to know the truth, God's word. And not only that, we need the help of the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth, right? Jesus said he will point out the truth to us, guide us into truth. And so, and listen, there is so much error in the church right now. So much error because, as we're going to see in 2 Timothy, so many have turned their ears away from the word of God and turned them to fables and looking to people that will tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And that's a serious concern for me, for us, for this precious body of believers. I I love you guys. I don't want to see anyone ever a casualty in this life because they departed from the faith. And so the people who get sucked into this, what do they look like? Are are those who seduce people into this? Look what it says in the next verse, verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. So what comes out of their mouths is what? Dishonesty, error, deception. And not only that, they'll be speaking lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, their lives are marked by phoniness, is the idea. They're they're not genuine. They're not real. They pretend to be something that they are just not. And so having their own conscience seared, notice what else it says there, having their own conscience seared with what? With a hot iron. That God-given part of them, that God-given faculty that helps us discern between right and wrong has become seared. We get from the, Hebrew, from the Greek, rather, we get um, to, to cauterize, to burn something Um, to the point where there's no sensation or feeling is the idea. And so someone's conscience gets burned, gets seared, it's unresponsive. The nerve endings, if you will, 
are gone. How does that happen? How does someone get to that point where they are desensitized to sin? Well, look what happens when you buy into lies, seducing spirits, right? Doctrines of demons rather than the doctrine of God's word, the teaching of God's word. What begins to happen? You begin to walk in hypocrisy, in dishonesty. You begin to allow sin in your life and you no longer, you no longer listen to correction. You no longer listen to conviction of the Holy Spirit or the Word of God, and you come to a place of compromise day in and day out, and your heart becomes so hard, you become desensitized to your conscience and to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so, it's, and, and notice the progression here. It starts with lies, living a phony life, being a pretender, and then it becomes just normal life. You just begin to walk in that. No longer any tenderness, no longer any sensitivity, and then you sell out is the idea. And, and notice what else he, Paul gives us in verse 3, two examples of doctrines of demons, and, and really the theology of deprivation. Here's what you can't do. You can't do this. And it's interesting to me as we study this, as we look at this, these things are not from God. What's being commanded, what's being instructed by either the false teachers or those that get sucked into this, departing from the faith, is they are they're adopting man's definition of righteousness rather than God's definition of righteousness. Listen, there is only one righteousness that God will accept, and that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to you and imputed to me, given to you and me as a free gift because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the only righteousness God will accept. You can't improve upon it. You can't uh, make it better. We have robes of, righteousness, robes of righteousness that are given to us as a free gift. Anybody, nobody stoked about that? Isaiah wrote, Said, this is so cool what he says. This is in Isaiah 61. He said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And so two of these doctrines of demons are what? Are you can't be married... They forbid marriage, or they tell you what you can and can't eat. In other words, you'll be more righteous, or you will attain righteousness if you don't do these things. Or you'll be more spiritual or more holy if you don't get married. You'll be more spiritual or more holy if you don't eat these things. Have you guys ever heard that before, stuff like that? Maybe you came out of a church that was like that too. And so... Forbidding to marry, forbidding means to deny, refuse, or prevent marriage. They had a, there was a low view of marriage. This, this false teaching that was creeping into the church um, saying that celibacy is more spiritual than being married. And it's interesting just to consider that. I would say also it would include forbidding God's definitions of marriage. Because we see that today, don't we? Happening even within the church, a redefining of God's definition of marriage, which is, which is we've had from the beginning, right? One husband, genetic male, 
and one wife, genetic female. Made one. Correct? That is God's definition of marriage. Marriage is honorable among all, the bed undefiled. But here's the deal. Paul was single, and he said some have the gift of singleness. And if you have that gift, hallelujah. If you want to be married, you don't have the gift. <laughs> right? How do, I know? How do I know? Listen, if you want to be married, you don't have that gift of singleness. But if you're single, you can do a lot of ministry that married couples cannot. You're free to travel and, and, and do lots of different stuff, whereas sometimes being married limits your ministry. But in either case, it's a gift. Isn't your spouse a gift? Yes. Your husbands better be saying amen right now. This is a good time for an amen. <laughs> no. Interesting also, commanding, giving orders to abstain from foods, to not eat certain foods. And listen, what you eat doesn't make you more or less righteous. This is not talking about, about your personal choices, by the way. And by the way, it's getting harder and harder to eat, isn't it? Is it non-GMO? Is it, is it all-natural, low-carbon footprint? I remember when I was growing up, it was like, pop the eggs in the blender, protein powder, milk, and ice cream scoops. You, now you can't eat eggs raw, right? Isn't it like, what can I eat? Just, can I just say thank you, Lord, and eat it? That's what he's saying here. We'll get to that in just a minute. But this is not, you know, physical reasons to abstain or better stewardship of the body. Um, but this is people that are saying, listen, um, it's more spiritual, it's more holy, it's more righteous to abstain from this or to abstain from that. We had a number of years ago a lady that came here um, and she was promoting, I can't remember, it was like the Eden diet or the Eden, anybody heard of that? The Garden of Eden, you know, it's, that was before the fall and God wants us to eat before the fall and here's what you need to eat. And guess ever heard, some of you are shaking your head, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, no, 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 no. Pastor, you got it all wrong. Here's the diet. Everybody needs to, no, 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 no. We come right here to Scripture. We go to Acts chapter 10. Remember Peter was at Simon the Tanner's house? Y'all remember that? Wasn't that a cool story? He's up on the roof praying, right? And he's hungry while he's praying. If it happened to you, you're praying, you get hungry. And all of a sudden, God gives him this vision, right? And it's, a, it's like a giant picnic blanket gets lowered down, and it opens up with all these incredible edibles. Every type of animal and food, and remember what God says to him? What did God say to him? Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Hey, it's time for, time for some carnitas right now. <laughs> some pigs in a blanket. Right, some shrimp po'boys. Not so, Lord. Remember how your response? Not so, Lord. But listen, those words are incongruent. You can't even put the. You can't put those two words, those three words together. Not so, Lord. You don't say no to Jesus. He's the Lord. And, and what did Peter say? Lord, I haven't touched those. I haven't eaten anything common or unclean ever in my whole life. I've been a good Jewish boy, kosher all the way. And then the Lord speaks again, right? What God has cleansed, don't call common. And it happened three times. The blanket came down. 
That settles it once and for all. Everything is fair game. That's what's being communicated to Peter. And in fact, we go on here. Look what it says with me. God has made food to be eaten, which God created to be received. And so not only was marriage ordained by God, Genesis 2, and now man's trying to forbid it in his false teachings here, but food is given to us also as a gift. These are God's gifts of grace to us, a spouse and food as well. In fact, he says we're to receive it with gratitude. And who's to receive it with gratitude? Those who believe and know the truth. Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. Do you believe and know the truth this morning? Guess what? We're to receive the food that God gives us with gratitude. To recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And to say, thank you, Jesus, for this food. You've provided. I didn't earn this. I didn't deserve this. That's out of your bounty, your goodness, your grace. You provided this food for me and my family. We recognize who is the one who provides for us. Listen, by the way, a lack of thanksgiving is part of the downward spiral of Romans chapter 1. When we become ungrateful and unthankful and we forget where everything comes from is from his gracious hand into our lives. And so... What's the deal here? The Holy Spirit warns that some will depart from the faith. A simple love relationship with the Lord is traded away, substituted with a man-made system of rules and regulations. And what's the result of that? Legalism. Legalism. And in fact, legalism is a temptation for any one of us. We can start to think we're more spiritual than someone else because of X, Y, or Z, or more righteous. Again, everyone has the same robe of righteousness, correct? Are some, do some people have a better robe, like designer threads, and we got like dollar store stuff? Everybody's got the same robe, correct? You can't like spruce it up, bling it out, or whatever. Same robe for every one of us. And so, you know, it's a big deal because Paul came out of this. What did rules and regulations trying to, trying to attain to your own righteousness produce in Paul before he got saved? You guys know a religious monster, a legalistic, a Pharisee, critical, sin-sniffing, fault-finding, looking down his nose at everyone else, and being critical of them. And so Paul reinforces the reality that these things are good. Marriage is good. Food is, do you guys like food? It's like the one thing we can do as Christians. We can eat. For every creature, look at verse four. For every creature of God is what? Is good. All God's creatures, good to eat. And listen, if you're a vegetarian, hallelujah, more meat for us. You like tofu surprise? Thank you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Nothing is to be refused. All God's creatures are available for us to eat. I like that. You want roadkill? Just thank the Lord. <laughs> Possum tacos? Go for it. Whatever, you know, whatever your deal is. 
Nothing is to be refused. Look what it says. If it is received with thanksgiving, if we give thanks for those creatures that God has given us for food. And again, dietary choices are determined by your personal conviction. Remember Michael taught on that? Romans 14, right? A few months ago or whatever. It's between you and the Lord. For it, the food that God blesses us with, foods, for it is sanctified, it's set apart, cleansed, purified. How? By the word of God and prayer. Isn't that beautiful? No? It's not too cool? Isn't that amazing? So you just say, Lord, you said it. Thank you in your word. You gave the thumbs up. I can eat this. I can feel free. Or I can say, Lord, no, you know what? I don't feel comfortable eating this. That's between you and Jesus. Isn't that great? But it is sanctified. It's made holy by the word of God and prayer. So beautiful. The issue is settled once and for all. Now let's talk about nutrition and exercise. Y'all ready? Next verse. Paul says to Timothy, if you, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. Why? Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe These things command and teach. So good. Such good instruction, right? So Timothy is charged. Let me draw your attention to verse 6 for just a moment. He's charged to do what? To teach the church these things. The things that have been communicated to teach the word of God. And if he does this, if he follows through, what will be the result? He will be a good what? What does it say? He'll be a good minister. What's minister? Servant. He will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Do you guys want to be good servants? Don't we want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. And we pass through the veil into eternity. I would say um, for a pastor, their primary job is to instruct the brethren. Primary, to feed, to plead also, to feed, plead, and lead. That's how I remember it. To pray, and we're going to see in a minute, to be an example, to lead the flock as you follow Jesus. But the primary job of a pastor or the person that is overseeing the flock is to feed the brethren with the word of God. In fact, notice what it says with me here, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And so, number one, Timothy, you are to nourish yourself before you nourish others. 
everybody see that? So important. Because when you teach the word a lot, or you're communicating the word a lot, um, you can forget to apply the word of God to your own life. And I know I'm an expert in one thing. No one can tell me differently. I don't care what you say. I'm an expert in one thing. You know, you know what that is? Applying scripture to your life. <laughs> but it needs to be reversed. I need to be an expert, number one, in applying it in my own heart. It's a danger. I can't nourish anyone else unless I'm nourished in the word of God. Jesus said, the good man brings forth the good treasure in his heart, the good things. There has to be a good treasure of his word in my heart, nourished. The words of faith. And so you have to let God feed you before you feed others to apply the word of God to yourself. And and listen, this is difficult. This is a, for me, we're going through some heavy stuff, and, and I have to say, Lord, search me, search my heart. Have I become desensitized in any way to your voice? Is there any error, Lord, that I'm buying into? Any lies, any deception? Lord, search my heart. I want to be right. I want to stay close to you, Lord. I don't want to displease you, dishonor you. I want your name to be hallowed in my life. Lord, search my heart. Show me. I think every time we come to a passage, if we're going to instruct others as we're called to in our homes and in the church and beyond, we need to allow the passage to search our hearts, the Lord to search our hearts, to be nourished up in the words of God. And I love what it says right at the end of that verse, which you have carefully followed. Not just saying, Lord, search me, and then he shows me, and I don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Lord, search me. Mikey, you need to have a better attitude with Tanya. Oh, okay, Lord. And then not, do, not carefully follow it. I've blown it. It's not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word. And what does God couple with our obedience? The power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to do it. Like we just cried out, Lord, I, did you guys pray that prayer as we sang, Lord, I need you? Not, Lord, I got this. You don't have to worry about me. I'm a mature believer. It's like I cry out that every day, like, God, help me. Every time I stand before you guys to get in the pulpit, Lord, help me. I don't want to misrepresent you, your word. God, help us to walk in this, not just to talk in this, but to walk in this, to carefully follow. Timothy was, himself was careful to be nourished and careful to do. Listen, we're all called to be ministers. Listen, we are all called to be ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we find our place in ministry, serving others, helping others, loving others. We need to be nourished with the word of God. 
and be doers of the word of God in order to nourish others. And that's what Paul is saying here. And then he says, look at verse 7, but conjunction, junction, what's your function? But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself, so the negative and then the positive, and exercise yourself, what direction? Toward godliness. And so check this out with me. But reject, say no to, get away from, stop this, to reject something. You're saying no, correct? Profane means, profane can mean common or unholy. Or we get the word profanity from this, right? Profane, profanity, dirty words. He says, stay away from unholy speech. Or profanity. Do you know that there's a number of pastors in the United States that are using profanity from the pulpit because they think they're cool? Do you know that that ain't cool? That we're grieving the Holy Spirit when corrupt words come from our mouths? That's not just for pastors. That's for all ministers, all of us that serve the Lord. Right? Our speech is to be seasoned with grace. Words that build up, that lift up, that edify others. In other words, people should leave our presence not defiled or made dirty. And he's saying, don't allow this type of speech to be involved in your life, Timothy. Reject, profane, and what else does he say? Something about old wives. What does he say? Old, old wives fables. What are old wives' fables? Not hard. They are man-made stories. You guys ever been in a church where it's all about the man-made stories? (laughs) That dude's been there. (laughs) Yeah. Paul exhorts Timothy, instructs Timothy, say no to common, uh, unclean, unholy, man-made stories or fairy tales. I would say another way to phrase that is stay away from entertaining the goats and feed the sheep. It's interesting because I noticed studying how often Paul says to avoid this type of speech. If you're taking notes, I want to read it real quick. Chapter 1, verse 4, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Why? What do they do? Which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. And then here in chapter 4, we just read it. And then in chapter 6, verse 20, as Paul is signing off here, one of the last things he says, he says, Oh, Timothy, guard what is committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Wow. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, but shun profane and idle babblings. Why? For they will increase to more ungodliness. 2 Timothy 4, 4. I better, I got to read this whole section. 
preach the word for two. Be ready in season, out of season, means no off season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to, what does it say? You guys reading with me? Is it up on the scoreboard? Turn aside to fables. Turn from truth to what? To man-made stories, to entertainment. They will find teachers, and there will be no shortage of teachers, preachers, pastors that will tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. But listen, the time has come. That's the reality. And so, what is Paul saying back in 1 Timothy chapter 4 here, verse 7? Hey, listen, you need to have more to say than these things if you want to make a difference in other people's lives. Fables and man-made stories don't change people's lives. The Word of God has the DNA. The seed of the Word of God has the power to change our lives. Not man-made stories, not fables, not profane things. It is the Word of God. Timothy, share the Word of God. Shun the junk. To grow, I would say also for us individually, what's the, I'm not teaching, pastor, I'm not really sharing the Word of God. For us to grow, to become more productive and fruitful in life, you need to have more than entertainment. You and I need God's Word. A steady diet of God's Word, reading our Bibles and praying. That's legalistic, man. No, that's realistic. How often do you not eat? Do you not eat for like two or three days? A week? Does anybody not eat for like a week or two? How often do you, how often do you guys eat? Every day? Some of you are thinking about food right now. <laughs> man, you're talking about like carnitas and pigs in a blanket. I'm getting hungry. When are we getting out of here? I mean, think about how often we eat. Physically, we take care of that physical part of us. This whole part of, of Scripture we're looking at is all about having the balance uh, in our lives of what's the priority. To be we need to be nourished spiritually, gang, every day. Correct? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I mean, how often, okay, how often do you bathe? Now you're getting personal, Pastor. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you another question. Like, do you skip like a week or two? I, I would say... I would say it's pretty safe to say every one of us bathes once a day, possibly more. Safe? Is that safe? Assessment? Paul says in Ephesians that the word of God is water to cleanse us, to, to wash us, to fill us up and to provide the, what we need to be healthy. Again, we wouldn't skip a bath every day or a shower every day, why would we skip being washed with the water of the word, being nourished with the, with the word of God? 
It's crucial, gang, for us to be fruitful and productive to make a difference. I pray that all of us want to make a difference in our lives. The only way that's going to happen is if we are men and women, not only filled with the Spirit, but filled with the Word of God. Good ministers feed God's flock with the Word of God, solid biblical doctrine, not not fairy tales and entertainment. Exercise yourself, Paul says, toward godliness. That word exercise, we get gymnastics or gymnasium in the Greek. You guys ever watch gymnasts? It's like amazing the stuff they can do, isn't it? Like all the spins and cartwheels. They do cartwheels? Yeah, on the floor exercises. Does that happen just overnight? I think I'm going to wake up and just, you know... Do the pommel horse or whatever that thing is. It takes what? It takes dedication. It takes discipline. Correct? Practice. Repetition. Doing it the right way, right? Having, you have, you have, you have coaching too, right? That's important, isn't it? You don't just watch a YouTube video and just get on the rings. So what is he saying here? Look what it says to me. Exercise literally means vigorously in any way the body and the mind. Give yourself to make a consistent effort in what direction? Toward godliness, toward holiness, toward Christ-likeness. That is a direction that that we are to be exercising ourselves spiritually. And Paul said to the Ephesians also, he said, Be imitators of God as dear children. To follow his example, to imitate him. And so train hard. You need spiritual nutrition and spiritual exercise. There's a balance that's so crucial. Why? Look at verse 8. For bodily exercise profits, how much? A little. Physical workouts help, don't they? No? No? The physical workouts help, y'all. They do. I mean, it's biblical. You're able to maintain your health. L- listen, you're able to minister as long as possible. That's a reason I stay in shape. I want to minister as long as I can, and i got to take care of a special needs kid, too. But listen, I, we want to be fit for the calling that God has on our lives, Bodily exercise profits a little. And this was a, not only a sex-saturated city, this was a sports-saturated city. Just like H-Town, right? And there was a huge emphasis, not only on sports, but the physical physique, right? You look at sculptures, they're pretty cut, aren't they? They're chiseled, right? Not a lot of cherubs. You know, it's angels that sometimes they... Bodily exercise profits a little. You know, in a fitness crazy culture, things get turned around. Just like us as Christians sometimes, things get turned around. We become so consumed with our physical bodies. 
to the neglect of our spiritual life. And we wouldn't miss a day of working out, but we wouldn't have a problem with missing a day of devotions. And I don't mean like heap condemnation on you guys, but think about how much time we spend on our physical bodies in relation to how much time we spend with Jesus. Some of us may need to make an adjustment because things are out of balance, out of order in your life. Because he's saying here the most important thing is the eternal things. Oh, bodily exercise profits a little, for sure. It's a good thing. But, what does he say? Look at the contrast. But godliness or holiness is what's most important in all areas of life. Having promise of the life that now is. Jesus promised us life and life abundantly, didn't he? He promised us eternal life, which is not just quantity of life, but quality of life as well. As we're walking with him, as we're going his way, as we're exercising ourselves towards godliness, there's a promise of life right now and when we are in heaven with him. That tells me spiritual exercise will benefit your life here and also eternally. You guys see that with me? So how does this work out in our lives practically? If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it real quick. Because maybe you read this verse before and wondered, what in the world are you talking about? Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. No, just 12 and 13. Paul says there, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice it doesn't say work for your salvation, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, work out what's already in you. Take what you have taken in and work it out. Do what God has told you to do. Put your Christianity into practice, and it is God who works in you to help you, to give you the will, right, and the power to do it. You practice, you put into practice what you learn. So what's the application? How about prayer? Physical exercise, isn't it? It's our spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual and physical exercise. Isn't it? Do you guys ever find that? I'm getting ready to pray. Tonight, I'm going to pray for church. I'm going to pray for the leadership and the mission trips. And you get in your couch, and what happens? Okay, I'm going to start praying. Lord. And you wake up, and you're all, you're, you're all wet on this, your thing. and Because you get hit with those fiery darts with sleep poison on them. Some of you are laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a spiritual exercise. It's a physical exercise, but it's a spiritual exercise. And so we put that into practice in our lives. How about sharing your faith? There's another spiritual exercise 
taking a step of faith to share what Jesus has done in your life with someone else. And what begins to happen? The more you do it, you're gonna get, are you going to get rejected? You get rejected, don't you? Was Jesus rejected? Did he quit? Did he keep going? Okay. Is he living in you? That's the direction he wants to go. Spiritual exercise. Exercising your spiritual gifts. We didn't get to that part of this because we're out of time. God has given you spiritual gifts. How about exercising your spiritual gifts? I don't know what it is, man. Pray. Ask the Lord to help you. He'll show you. What's another spiritual exercise? How about going on a missions trip? Spiritual exercise. Taking a step of faith and going... I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Just by you going, just by you going, guess what? It ministers to those people that I have brothers and sisters that care about me, that I'm loved. Or writing a letter to our missionaries, another spiritual exercise. I got to take time. Sharing our time, talents, and treasures, spiritual exercise. And what's he saying here? When we begin to exercise spiritually, you will reap the benefits not only now, but guess what, in the life to come. Oh yeah, man, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And you're not exercising your spiritual gifts, you're getting, spiritually you're getting flabby. And Paul says to Timothy, he says, make sure you tell the not just tell the church, command and teach these things. Command. All right, gang. I'm going to command you this morning. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's what he's saying. Get your exercise. Oh, it's good. It's good physically, yes. But spiritually, you need to be exercising. You need to be taking what God has worked into your life. Now work it out with fear and trembling. We want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. It means we get off the bench, we get in the game, we have no off season, in season and out, in season and out of season. Be ready. Stay sharp, he's saying here, and the Lord will use your life. And guess what? You'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. And so necessary and needed. Lord, thank you so much. I pray, God, please help us um, to put these things into practice, what you've shown us, that we would trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you have called us to do. I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for my precious brothers and sisters. Please keep each and every one close to your heart, that not one would depart that we would take your warnings in your word seriously, not monkey around with your word or play fast and loose with your word in any way. But your name would be hallowed, your word would be hallowed in our lives. We would take these things to heart. And so we thank you. Thank you for your patience with us, your mercy your grace, your love, your goodness.
And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, perhaps you've been listening this morning and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. You've never really given your life to him. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross. For your sins and my sins, he suffered, he died, and was buried and rose again on the third day, demonstrating that everything he said is true, that he's able to save, to forgive, to give you life, and you come just as you are to him. Is that you this morning? You're saying, yeah, I want to give my heart, my life to Jesus right now. Can I pray with you right now? I'll lead you in a simple prayer. It is the most important decision that you will ever make is concerning your eternity and where you'll spend it. And the Lord is speaking to you right now to come to him, to receive him, to believe on his name. Is that you? Can I pray with you right now? Would you raise up your hand? We'll pray together. Say, so, yeah, Mike, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus today, my life to him. Anyone at all this morning? Anyone at all? Father, thank you so much for this amazing family, your family, the family of God, no other family like it. Please, Lord, help us to grow in grace and the knowledge of you that our lives would bring you glory. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and let's stand together for one last song.
heard, Lord, we've all gathered, heard your word, heard the teaching, Lord, but now may we be those who put it into practice, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, change our hearts, our attitudes, our behavior, Lord, would be aligned with your word, your will, Lord, this way of life that you've called us to, to walk in, Lord, that we would walk worthy of the calling with which you've called us to walk, Lord. So please help us, Lord, work in us, work through us, Lord, that you be glorified, that you be honored. List our time of fellowship now, we pray in Jesus' name.